Welcome everybody to the Rotating Tap Podcast. We've got Steve Vanderplue, Corey David, and special guests. Maybe beer people talking comedy or comedians talking beer. Listen up everybody and we'll see what you will hear. I won't waste any more time because it's going very fast. It's the Rotating Tap Podcast. Hey, welcome to the Rotating Tap Podcast, back in podcast form. I'm Steve Vanderplue. I'm Corey David. And today our special guests are ourselves. That's right, we're going to interview ourselves. We ran out of friends. We don't have any anymore Everything's dead. Nothing matters. Yep, everybody perished away. This is actually uh, taking place after everybody died. (laughs) This is us in the distant future. We're the last two survivors, and we're just uh, recording these podcasts in case anybody finds us in the future. It's like a time capsule. Corey is closing a window, uh, not opening a door. That's how that's how the apocalypse works. Isn't it strange that uh, in the, in the distant future that somebody could just find these episodes and this might be the only record of us that exists? Yeah, I mean, I have some videos. What if they're gone? I that's fine. It's probably for the better, actually. Multi-angle HD comedy works videos. I don't do the multi-angle, but I do have some... I Mostly HD Comedy Works videos, yeah, but I don't do the multi-angle. Yeah, it seems for, like a rip-off. For people that don't know, Comedy Works will sell you tapes of your sets after you've performed there, and they have like different tiers and quality levels for them. And yeah, I've never had a problem with a single-angle single, single angle SD. Yeah, no, me neither. I, it's, it's weird. Uh, it was real funny. We were in a group chat last night, and Andy Main was on her iPad and her phone. I know, doing the real a, multicam. It's in a real bad loop for everybody involved, uh, really trying to get get all those angles. We didn't do a sound check, really. Uh, Corey's closing another window, two windows down, zero doors open. Uh, there's also a uh, dog squeak toy running around. We are together. Corey and I have been uh, not socially distancing from each other this entire time. Uh, we'll be honest about that. Yeah, we've been making out a lot. Yeah. yeah, we pretty much live together, so it's it's been fine. Yeah, it's the best way to pass the time. I feel like quarantine rules are kind of like prison rules. It's not that I find you incredibly attractive. It's just you know I'm horny and you're around. Yeah, I'm in this the cell next door. <laughs> My autobiography is going to be called the cell next door. Yeah, pull an Andy Dufresne, just drill drill a glory hole through a concrete wall. Yeah. <laughs> I used to be able to say that my first album would be that, but I'll never get to record in front of a live audience again. What, Andy Dufresne? No. <laughs> Just uh, instead of my, my book, it would be my album, but I'm never, you know, we're all dead. What, Glory Hole? Yeah, Glory Hole, yeah. Yeah, okay. Changed it. I've, I've got multiple albums coming out. Yeah. Books. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, anyways, uh, you're probably wondering why we actually don't have any guests, and part of it is because... Uh, everybody is supposed to be social distancing and the beer industry is kind of just chasing its own tail trying to figure out what to do right now. It's a bit in chaos. Yeah, it's very chaotic. Um, I mean, honestly, so 
a lot of places aren't open right now, but most breweries are open for some delivery and to go orders, which is great. I mean, it's really nice that they've still been able to do that. And I mean, even then it's like a shell of what it used to be. Of course. Well, you got to figure the reason that most of these tap rooms have been operating the way they have is because the way you make the most money in the beer industry is to sell in what they call own premise. It's where you don't even bother with a distributor and lose some of your margin. You're literally selling the beer from the tank to the customer on the other side of the bar. So it's the cheapest way and that's how people make most of their money. Totally. And if you weren't distributing before, like some of our friends, um, that own breweries, they weren't doing a ton of distribution. Most of their sales are coming from over the counter. Right. Like that's where, that's where your bread and butter is. But I mean, even then you feel like you have to have like a decent amount of money already to have, to be able to adapt to that. Yeah. I mean, like we've talked about off air before it, a lot of it comes down to if people had a lot of debt, like if you had a lot of money tied up in tanks and brewing equipment and whatnot, and you still have to pay that money back, then that's a real burden on people. Um, yeah, that's, I mean, that sucks. Well, I know I, some of the guys from um, like Landlocked had said that the their, their comp- the companies that they have major loans with on equipment have uh, been cool about postponing payments and, and whatnot. But you, then you got to deal with landlords in some places. A lot of these guys right. don't own the business, own yeah. the buildings that they're in. There's, so they got to fight that. Yeah, there's all sorts of stuff. All before all this went down too, like. Some some people had so many had so many kegs like untapped, Tons. and those don't last throughout the fucking entire time. You yeah. know the tanks, the beer in the tanks, like that's all gonna go bad unless people buy it. I know? know one of the silver linings to this is that um, more breweries have been putting things out in cans and crowlers to go, and breweries like Ratio that were only they had just started doing limited release can runs, but now they're releasing something in cans every week, kind of because they have to, because they're now they're sitting on all this beer. Yeah. Thankfully, they didn't keg all of it ahead of time. Otherwise, right. I mean, they're totally relying on growler and crowler sales. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's you know it's just kind of uh, we love talking to people, but we also are kind of kind of just re going from the start uh, what we wanted this podcast to be originally, and then uh, kind of what it's become now in the. <laughs> the post-apocalyptic war zone that we live in. Yeah, I mean, the joy of doing this has been, there are so many parallels between like the comedy and the brewing world, and much like the comedy scene, the beer industry is just full of really awesome people. It it attracts those kinds of like-minded folks, and I've really appreciated getting to know a lot of these brewers and a lot of these owners on a personal level, um, yeah, because it's just a fun business to be involved with. There's there's something to be said about the podcast that we've been doing specifically about like being in the tap room and getting that full experience, getting to check these places out that we can't we haven't been able to do, and so it's like you know, it's kind of a bummer. Uh, yeah, but I mean, when, you know, the Zoom thing has been what's interesting, and we'll learn more about this as we kind of move forward and we can start doing interviews in person again. Uh, but we love doing the recordings in person with the people, but we can't ignore the fact that the past couple live streams that we've done online have gotten a lot of views, yeah. I mean, a couple of hundred views per per episode, um, which is really great. Uh, it's just that you know you're battling things like lag time on somebody's end with their Wi-Fi, yeah. mic quality isn't as great, deep like that sort of Russian, stuff. Russians figuring out how to deep fake and making us say <laughs> terrible things. Yeah, yeah. See uh, that spliced into episodes. Yeah, we vote do, Putin. Yeah, I mean also. Uh, 
I'll fucking say it. Vote Putin. I don't care. I don't live in Russia. At this point, it's anybody. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know if they still have elections over there. Like, I think they do. Like, it's just like a dummy. You can only vote election. for Putin, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know how Russia works. Well, before we get uh, too far into other things that we want to talk about, this is still a beer podcast, and we do love drinking beer. Uh, Steve, what do you That's got great. that you're drinking? Uh, right now, I'm drinking the uh, 10 Barrel Apocalypse IPA, because mm-hmm. it was in your fridge, and it was free. Yep. Um, but it's pretty good. I enjoy it. Uh, it's it's quoted as piney and perfectly balanced, and I would agree with that. Yeah, I mean, it's a little more dry, West Coast style. Definitely has those resinous flavors that you'd expect from Pacific Northwest hops. Uh, appropriately titled Apocalypse IPA. I, yeah. think, I think they sent that to me on purpose. Yep, I mean, it was a good call. I like it. Yeah. I've been... It, it, it doesn't taste like the apocalypse. It tastes like better times. Yeah, I mean, you're predominantly an IPA drinker anyway, right? Yeah. Correct. Yeah, yeah. I like them quite a bit. I've gotten a bit of flack for actually working with Ten Barrel. So these guys had actually uh, approached me about hosting a virtual comedy show for them, uh, which virtual comedy shows are have been so hit or miss. Uh, I feel like the format that we've been doing it in has been effective, where we do like a Zoom call. There's like 60 people on the call. And then they unmute like ten people, so you can still hear people laughing. You can still you, see how face they reactions. The ten people that get unmuted. I think it's a mix of people that they know, and then people that are maybe like reoccurring um, viewers, so to speak, that they know that like there's not a dog running around or there's not yeah. kids running around and stuff. It'd be cool if they could have like everybody in and then just mute everybody. If there's like mute the one heckler, while you get on an online show, just shut them up. Yeah, you, you gotta be real quick real though. Yeah, but I, I mean, mean, people people to kick out a heckler in a virtual room is about as slow as kicking out a heckler I, in an elite in a in a live show. Yeah, I, I'm thinking about like how much heckler sucked. I was like, wow, they were terrible, but also. I miss them. <laughs> yeah, there's a small them. part of me that just wants to hear them being there and don't, at least paying enough attention that they wanted to harass you about one of your jokes. Don't heckle at a comedy show. It's terrible. Yeah. Uh, except for like, if you go if you go to an, oh, the first week's open mics, you can heckle whoever the fuck you want. Yeah, at this point, it's going to be lawless. After that, uh, it doesn't matter. Yeah. But, but I but mean, the, so Ten Barrel, they are a chain. Well, they're owned by Anheuser-Busch and that's where you get a lot of, that's where I get a lot of the flack and people give me crap about working with a company that is owned by a big brewery like that. Cause they own like 30 different breweries around the world and sure. dozens like in the country. But the thing, the thing is like, I wouldn't be working with these guys if like I didn't like the people personally that I was working with totally. and the folks at 10 barrel specifically, They've been awesome. They're really great to work with. I like the beer. Um, and I just like the, their vibe that they put out. Like sure. any of the people that I talk to there or that I work with, they don't give you this corporate vibe that they're clearly like taking all their orders from Budweiser. So right. for, they're, for, they're not all Clydesdales. Yeah. And the fact of the matter is, is like nobody else approached me about doing like a virtual comedy show where they're willing to send myself and the comedians that participate like free beer. Yeah. So even in a virtual world, comics are still getting paid in beer. Drink tickets. Yeah. yeah. But totally. right now, I mean, people appreciate that. Yeah. No, absolutely. Kill for some drink tickets. Yeah. And I know my stance on this has always been like I know plenty of good people that work at like Budweiser owned breweries, and I know a lot of great people that work at craft breweries. And I also know a lot of shitty people that work for both sides of the fence too. Yeah, totally. So it's like so where do where do you draw the line? And yeah. it's different for everybody. Yeah, 
He's talking about women specifically. <laughs> Solely. No, no I, I, yeah, I mean, I have been to Ten Barrel a handful of times. I don't care for their food menu. Mm-hmm. I think it's pretty boring. Yeah. Um, and I, but I mean, I, I also can't deny that I like want to like it. Like I've, you know, the the Ten Barrel in Boise is like downtown, downtown. Right. You can't not walk by it really. And it's like I want to still support something smaller than like. If I'm in a different town, I, I could get 10 beer. I'm sure they drink like brewing different stuff at each one, but sure. Kind of what's the point? But um, well, there are so many choices out there right now. I mean, we'll see how many shake out after all this is over. But the other thing that you and I have talked about in regards to how to expand the show and how to expand like the, the, com- the live comedy shows that we do is like being more picky and choosy about the breweries that potentially have marketing support and capital to really help us grow the brand. And I know that's something that you and I have like, not at odds about, but just have had like more serious conversations with. Yeah. I mean, at this point I don't like, I would never do a show at 10 barrel. The the space itself doesn't work. But that has the more to do with the space than the brand, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah, I guess. Uh, I don't know. I know that Ten Barrel would have a lot more money for us, which would be tight. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> I also I don't, I like supporting the small guys. Like I just oh I do too. But if somebody's willing to throw us a bunch of money to just do something fun that we like, as soon as it started compromising the show, then yeah, I think that's where I would draw yeah. a line personally. But if somebody's, I mean, we're we're comics. I mean, we don't make. The truth is, we don't make a ton of money. You don't really make no. a lot of money doing this until you really we, we make it. We never did, and now we really don't. Now that comedy's gone, yeah, forever. it basically went from ten dollars to zero. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So it wasn't a lot to begin with. So you have to factor in that if somebody thinks what we're doing is really cool, and they want to throw money at it. Then yeah. who am I to, as long as they don't want to compromise the show, then who am I to say like, no way, no thanks. Sure. Especially at this stage in our careers. Yeah, yeah. No, totally. It was like I ran into that situation with, uh, I don't care about using their name. Uh, I ran a show at Arvada Tavern called The Hoot Nanny, and it was wildly successful. You were on, yeah, you were on one of the show. shows. Yeah, it's like 80 person capacity. It wasn't capacity. as good as any rotating tap show ever, even the bad ones, but it was still very good. <laughs> it was a good show. Uh, we packed the house every single time, and somebody liked the show so much that they wanted to sponsor it. Like a liquor company said, hey, we'll give you guys some money to sponsor the show and help out. And instead of splitting that money amongst like the venue and the performers, they took it all. The venue took it all. Yeah. And they thought I was crazy for asking for it. Yeah, no, that's that's ridiculous and stupid, and they suck. But I mean, they're gonna see a loss in money still. I guarantee it, because that's all that matters to them. I don't know. Who knows if they're gonna survive this? Well, till, and, too, you know. Anytime. And this goes out to any comic that's trying to produce a show. It's like you have to be on the venue and you have to be on the same page. Like you've got to be working together. Like it can't be this opposing relationship where one's trying to better the other person or take advantage of them. It's like, no, the only way we're all going to make more money and make this more successful is if we work together, collaborate, compromise, you know, figure out ways to share the share the revenue, Um, especially because like if you want to get great comics on the show, there's going to be some times where you might have to fork up a little bit more money. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can't really good headliners come at a cost for sure. Um, Luckily, like a lot of the local headliners here are fucking cool as shit. 
and will work for not a ton of money, mm-hmm. even though they're worth thousands of dollars per night. Sure, because they happen to be right. in town, and they if a headlining gig to work out some material and just have the time and make a little scratch 20 minutes away right. is worth yeah, it. Yeah, totally. Uh, so we're pretty lucky here. Again, comedy's dead and doesn't matter, but... <laughs> but one of these days it'll return. And so how... I guess that actually leads me into a question that uh, I'm always curious about is... Uh, a lot of the headliners that I had booked at my other show before I got involved with Rotating Tap, where it was a lot of local guys, and I know you do that too, but you also have this great pipeline to comics from LA and comics from New York that have done late night, have Comedy Central credits and yeah. things like that. So how do you actually go about procuring some of those guys when you're booking a show? Uh, I mean, it's different every time. Um, but I mean, like, I do pay attention to who's got what credits, and there have been times where that was the wrong decision. Um, yeah, credits don't always mean shit. Yeah, it, it, totally. And, you know, we've had, I've made that mistake a few times, but for <laughs> the most part, it's, you know, word of mouth from really good people that I trust is a good way. But then also, like, a lot of people come to me. A lot of people will email me or message me and be like, hey, I'm this guy. I've done this, this, and this. I've been mm-hmm. on TV a couple times and that kind of stuff. And it's like, cool, yeah. Uh, major writing gigs, like, somebody that writes for like John Oliver, I probably not going to watch that tape. Like what's, sure. you know, trust it. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's a lot of trust from like word of mouth and what people have gotten for out of towners in terms of headliners. Can you think of also just having doing it, like having been a traveling comic for a long time. That's how I've met a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Can you think of your top, like two or three headliners that you've had booked on a rotating tap show? Oh man, that's a hard question. Uh, there's certain people and, and it, it depends on the show too like uh, Dr. Kev has really crushed at Chain Reaction mm-hmm. to the point where it's like I book him for the anniversary every year because he does so well there he is such an interesting guy too he was a roadie for the Rolling Stones he's a world renowned veterinarian he's been on like Discovery Channel and Animal Planet yeah, he has his own series on Animal Planet yeah and he's like an OG of Denver comedy. Yeah, the he's dude been doing fucks. It. <laughs> he's fucks been doing it for sure. like thirty years. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah, he's he's great, and he's a he's a great tap dancer too. He's just uh, yeah, that guy. He's the best. Yeah. Um, I've had some really cool people on my show. You know, uh, outside of locals. I mean, Sam Talent used to be a local, but I don't really. He's been on the road so much. he's such a road dog that it's gonna be like he's here. But he's the like when people yeah. ask me sometimes who is a comic that a lot of people might not know about but it's gonna be like the next big thing i always say sam and i i i feel good about being able to say that one of our like people that live here is that person because i think they're always expecting me to say somebody that like already has a netflix special or something but you just don't know about him yet right but i always say sam because he just kills and i remember seeing him at comedy works before all this happened like not too long before and he did, he was headlining and did, I think, an hour set. And I've seen him enough times at this point where, like, I know a lot of his bits. Sure. I think he did three. Yeah. In oh, the, yeah, cor- yeah, in the course yeah. of an entire hour he set. He will just crush the entire time. And then in the last minute of an hour, he'll tell one joke. And yeah. Be like, all right, that's been it. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty wild. Yeah. He's fun to watch. Yeah. He's a good dude. Uh, and then there's people that have done a lot of cool stuff. I, I mean, we've probably had fucking. 30 comics with late night sets. Sure. Come on. Chris Fairbanks at Chain Reaction mm-hmm. a couple months ago when comedy was still a thing. I'm just going to keep bringing that up. 
Man, it was packed in there. Yeah. Uh, Chris Fairbanks is great. Um, mm-hmm. And then, like, we had, you know, like, David Borey before he was, like, like he was already a great comic, but, like... Before now, he was the now, voice of Comedy Central. Yeah, now people are, like, figuring out who he is. He's got that Comedy Central half hour. He's the voice of Comedy Central now, and it's, like, really cool to, like, like look back five years ago and be like, oh, yeah, Dave Borey was just part of this lineup in the middle. He was in the middle, and look where he is now. Yeah, like, he was it's part awesome. of the scene. Yeah. Yeah, man. Can you think of somebody that you were surprised by? Like, you didn't really know who they were beforehand, but then you saw them, and you were like, holy shit. Mm, yeah, every time I performed, I would I would think I don't know myself. And then Man, just, I thought you were going to say me. Uh, no, I mean, uh, you did well. I, I don't know. Um, you know, one of my favorite things, honestly, is uh, Cal Sheridan's having other people... Uh, on stage with him yeah do, like it's so funny yeah so cal will have all of his bits typed out beforehand and then he has somebody read them for him yeah. uh which yeah i think i'm glad he started doing that it's so funny mm-hmm. he's yeah, the one time i did i did it with crawford and he made me say some terrible shit it was hilarious <laughs> yeah. uh yeah that the first time i saw that it blew my mind it really like changed my mind on comedy well he's such a great writer too yeah um there's certain certain. Uh, do you know who Daniel Van Kirk is? No, nope. he's not local. He has a podcast with the Sklar Bros called Dumb People Town, mm-hmm. um, and I saw him in Boise a few years ago, and he had only been doing stand up like a year, I guess, but he had been doing improv for so long that he just naturally, dude, it was mind a mind blowing experience to see that guy on stage. Whoa, very very good, talented, funny funny man. Uh, Great stand-up. Never saw his improv, but I guess he did it for a long time. Man, not so. well. Nobody, <laughs> no, nobody does improv well. Ah, uh, yes, and? Yes, and. Did you ever have uh, Casey James Salengo on a show when yeah, he was in I've town? Yeah, he's done a couple of couple roads. I remember seeing shows. him the last time that he came to town, and he had the whole room fucking roaring, and I, it's such a rare and... Uh, a mate, awesome thing when because we're just at shows so much that you almost kind of get, uh, I don't know, just kind of no, desensitized you, yeah, to, you sh- to a show. And you're like, sure. even if somebody's terribly funny, you're just you just don't laugh as much. Yeah. But yeah, he had me rolling. I had to like, I almost fell on the fucking floor. Yeah, he's great. He's a good dude. Uh, I don't think he's been staying in New York during all this, which is good. Yeah. Hope not. I ran into him in New York City. Which is kind of a weird thing. It's mm-hmm. like a big place to run into. Very somebody. serendipitous. Yeah. Uh, and then that was it, you know? Never yeah, talked yeah. to him again. Sure. Yeah. Well, I uh, so I picked up some beer from one of my favorite Colorado breweries called Weldworks up in Greeley, Colorado. And it was almost kind of bittersweet for my first time to be there uh, like during quarantine because it's a beautiful facility. It looks really nice and they make amazing beer, but they had like the to go line going outside. So you can't really go in and whatnot, uh, but okay. I'm glad I grabbed a couple things. Uh, we've got a couple beers on the table uh, that we can talk about and share. But the first one I've got is called Fitbits. It's basically their, their big IPA that, that made them very popular and successful was a beer called Juicy Bits. It's a hazy IPA. So Fitbits is their take on the new fad in craft beer, which is basically like low-cal, uh, low-cal light, hazy IPAs. Uh, so this one's 130 calories and five carbs. 
It's pretty low for a beer. Uh, it's brewed with Citra, Eldorado, and Sabro hops. And I got to be honest, it's pretty damn good because yeah. most of the ones that I've had are not. They're usually just super watered down. And then to make it like hazy, it just has that super chalky flavor that like almost kind of flower kind of flavor that you get when some beers are just overly hazed Uh, because to me it's like i still i like hazy ipas but they gotta have they just can't be as like kind of cloying to me yeah they like feels like it's lacing your tongue but overly hazed is a good way to describe a a few comics in denver as well very hazed (laughs) yeah some some not hazed enough yeah for sure do you i mean this seems like something that you'd enjoy if you want to like have some of that poured in your glass but do you have a, t- I mean, you got any thoughts on just like breweries trying to make more low calorie options and if they're any good or not? I mean, I don't know. I, who knows? Because I, f- I feel like people are kind of paranoid about all of their intolerances and everything. And that's why like seltzers are so big because they don't, there's, you know, for the most part, they're gluten free. Not all seltzers are. Sure. Um, but they're, you know, they're healthier supposedly and. I just think that people are just drinking lighter right now in general. Well, we live in such an Instagram heavy life uh, that, I mean, Denver in particular, it seems like everybody everywhere you go is so involved with their own Instagram moment and take, like taking selfies and always trying to be fit. So people are ultimately just looking for flavor, but they don't want to have like all the calories and all the carbohydrates that typically come with beer. And I mean, I, Cowards. yeah, I, I was the same. I've been the same way for a while, but the problem is I fucking, I really love beer. Yeah. Beer's great. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I'm not a calorie counter. I, uh, I can't count. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, I'm vain to a fault. Uh, I actually envy people that do not care that just don't give a shit. It's so nice. Cause I remember Nick Dean, asked me one time about like, Hey, like, what should I do to start working out? And I was like, don't, uh, <laughs> just try not because it's this endless cycle of like, you got to do more or right. it's not enough or anything like that. Yeah, totally. I mean, I already have that with comedy. It's like an addictive personality in that way where it's like, I gotta be better, but now I can't. Uh, also real quick before I forget, uh, shout out to Carrie Lieberman who works at 10 barrel. Mm-hmm. So, you know, at least some funny people work there. Yeah. So before you, lest you forget. Now, have you... Weldworks, no comics work there. No comics work there. That's the big difference. Well, maybe that could be the big show in Greeley after all this is over. We can talk to those guys. Yeah. Maybe. Get a a huge, giant social gathering (laughs) as soon as we can. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Uh, yeah. So do you find yourself being able to write at all during this period of time? Uh, uh, Certain days. Certain days I'm like miserable uh, just because... I want to do comedy and I can't. And yeah. like the, the live stream thing is not the same. Like it's it, not. It's, it feels like a show, whereas like doing to go beer is like, yeah, I mean, like we're doing it, but it's not. I miss people being around. Oh, yeah. Know? You miss that. I mean, that's part of the fun. I, I would. I love and, and greatly miss a packed house where the audience is hot and then I'm just hanging out in the back with my friends because I'm like, oh, shit, like all of these people are here for us. That feel that's such a great feeling. Yeah, Fitbits is pretty good. I like it. Yeah, Fitbits yeah, is good. it's. I mean, it's a cool feeling, and then it's like, what's the point? But also, like, I think a lot of comics are going to come out of this, like, trying to do way too much. Maybe breweries will too. Maybe it's like 
breweries are like, hey, listen, we've been in quarantine. We've got 15 new recipes coming out that we've never tried. I think they're going to be spend, go for it. spending a lot of time just discounting kegs. I think you're going to see a lot of cheap beer as soon sure. as everybody starts opening back up. Party on, Garth. Yeah, yeah like half-priced pints for everybody. Sounds great. Yeah. Well, we, I mean, fortunately... And uh, you've been able to work with me on the new show that I've been producing every week called Mile High Update. Nice, nice uh, plug. Yeah, Quite pretty good down. plug. But that has been a lot of fun. And I think it's important to still find creative things to do during this time because I have struggled to find the motivation to write for my stand up act. Yeah, stand up. I'm, I'm writing other stuff. Yeah, I, I just can't. I can't pull myself to write a bunch of jokes that I don't even. I mean, a big part of the process is you just write, 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 and then you go to mics and you go to shows and test things out to figure out what to keep and what to get rid of. So if I just have a whole notebook logged of stuff I haven't been able to test, right. it's yeah, like, no, what's totally. the point? It, it, it's, you can't, I mean, stand-up, you can really only work on one bit at a time, and trying to write 60 new bits during this quarantine is like not going to do anybody any good. Yeah, like one part of my process is I just, I, I'll write a bunch of different premises, do them at open mics for the week, see what kind of sticks, and then whatever kind of sticks, I just hammer those premises for the next like two to three weeks mm. until I have something that's more fully formed at the end. That's interesting because I don't work on my material at all. I just have it. It, yeah. just, it <laughs> just comes out. Slinging from the hip. Never, never, never written a joke. It just happened. New every time. Accidents. I have been making some good memes. I've been there, you know, they're Facebook successful. Meme game strong. Dude, killing the meme game, man. So, you know, I'm still being funny. I'm still doing the podcast. Uh, it's just hard to write for stand-up specifically right now. Yeah. So, Have you enjoyed doing the Mile High Update thing? Just because it, it forced me to... I've never been a comic that focuses on topical issues and things that are going on in the news because it's so turn and burn like the news cycle is so fast that by the time you even have a decent bit about what's happening in the news two weeks later nobody even remembers right. it so being able well, to write jokes about that stuff has been helpful for me yeah i mean i like writing those jokes the thing is it's like those that the thing that, about those jokes is they only last two weeks right so you don't want to you don't want to spend a week figuring the joke out for like your stand-up like no, you, just I want, you just want to throw the joke away. It's done. That's it. And it's a different kind of writing for sure. And I enjoy that kind of writing also. Mm -hmm. I enjoy I enjoy writing for shows. Yeah, well, that's why I wanted to do it. Because I was like, all right, so at least if nothing else, this will keep our joke writing sharp. The ability yeah. to write a joke and practicing it and just flexing that creative muscle. But it's all material that we post online that week and it's turn and burn. Because something you always hear about from comics about posting material online and the reason a lot of people don't do it is because once a joke is out there to the masses, it the lacks... The Russians deep fake it and yeah. make you say the N-word. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's what happened to Kramer. <laughs> the Russians. I knew it didn't sound like him. <laughs> but the idea, which I know you're uh, a believer in, is that like, well, people will lose... It loses its element of surprise because part of what makes a joke funny is people not knowing what's coming. Right. But that also is dependent on how big it actually gets on the internet, you know? So it's a double-edged sword because if you do have a bit that completely blows up, that could potentially be good for you as a comic. And it's not necessarily giving away your whole act, but if like a hundred people see it, is that really burning it? Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't think, I don't know. I, I just don't think that that's the, the best move. I've, cause I've seen a lot of people. It's not just like a, a one bit that people are posting. 
Like, like at first, yeah, that's two or three days in, it's one bit. Four or five days in, it's another bit. Seven, eight days in, it's another bit. I've seen, I've seen people literally do like bit countdowns, and it's like, what are you gonna use that again? Like, when comedy comes back, it's like, hey, you've wanted to come see me do stand up for a long time. Come see me now. You can come out. Like, what else are you doing? Staying inside? I don't think so. And then they come see you, and it's the same thing that they just watched over the last three months online. Yeah, it really just depends on how much material you have, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, because yeah. if you're only burning a joke that lasts two minutes. Right. You know, and you, two minutes, you can redo that two minutes. Yeah. And, and, you know, in an hour. But also, if you only get like five minute spots, doing two minutes is a lot, you know? Well, one of the things that makes me fucking cringe is when people post their sets on edit and it's a lot of newer uh newer comics did i say reddit or edit you said edit but on reddit and they're newer and they post their clips and they're so like unformed and rambling and there's not a lot of punchlines. and then they like ask other people on reddit for advice it's like what yeah stupid like i don't want your people's opinion on this that's what an audience is for right yeah and i mean those don't exist anymore but <laughs> when they did yeah they you know, like it's part of the thing one thing I'll say too, and bring it back to this, back to Sam Talent, is watching that dude live. Like his videos don't translate to his live show. Seeing mm-hmm. him live, seeing him in the moment, seeing him like interact with the audience—that's what's great about live stand-up comedy. That it just doesn't translate as well to video, and it's like somebody could see that and like not understand how good it really was. Yeah, because they're not in that room. It's almost weird to see Sam do bits. You know, to see yeah. like a video that he did for a festival it's or something that he did for head. a show. Yeah. Cause that's what, that's he's, part he's of what got makes cue cards great. in the back, but yeah, it's all <laughs> at the top of his head. Tucked away on his wrist. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. People are going to do that, but I mean like people are going to have to burn their beer. People are going to burn their material. As long as you come out of it still doing, I don't know. There's a lot of people I'm just hoping just quit. We should just try to, yeah. We should just, just host a night where one brewery just tries to give away all their beer for like a dollar a pint, and then we let comics just burn all the terrible jokes they've been coming up with during quarantine. Like an open mic? I don't want to do. I don't. Wanna do <laughs> just uh, call it the Turn and Burn Show. I came across. I'm not gonna get into too de- detailed names, but I came across an open mic last night online. That had oh. a cover charge to get into. Gross. Yeah, it was a. Uh, it was not a cheap open mic to perform at either. Man, doing virtual open mic, uh, doing a virtual show is rough enough, right? Yeah. But doing a virtual open mic is like, ugh, God, I don't even like being at regular open mics that much. Let right. alone, do I want to have one going on in my living room. Yeah, totally. I mean, my living room is nothing but an open mic. I'm just trying stuff on everybody all the but, time but the paying to go to open mics thing is thank god it's not something here but i, no, I used to number is good is because we don't put up with bullshit like that yeah I, I i mean so i used to do stand up in upstate new york and i would go down to the city from time to time and the only mics that were available like until you kind of start to level up there are the pay for ones and it's just like five minutes for three minutes yeah, i'm sorry crazy. five bucks for three minutes and it's like what you yeah. guys do this all the time New York also has a lot of fucking bringer shows where you have to bring 10, oh my 15 God. people. It's so hard to get people to comedy. It was. It might. If it ever comes back, I don't think it'll be as hard to get people to. I think people are going to be craving it. Yeah, but the New York bringer shows are terrible for a lot of reasons, but they're always on nights that are off nights. So they're like, hey, it's uh, 
Martin Luther King Day or it's Easter Sunday, we've got a couple spots available for this bringer show. You need to bring 10 people. It's a $20 cover with a two-drink minimum. And in New York, the drinks are $10 a piece. So you're basically asking people to come see your terrible set because the only way people are usually doing those if they're newer at comedy. Right. And yeah. you're asking everybody each to pay $40. Yeah, please come. I need to. <laughs> and then they don't see anything at the end of the night either. Yeah. Like the, it's crazy. They, and they always under the under the guise of like, well, talent agents will be there and producers. No, they won't. That's the thing is like I I mean, I would say that the production of Rotating Tap was one of the better productions in the United States. Colorado has the best producers. Like Boulder Beer Garden, mm-hmm. uh, Comedy Fort Comedy, Comedy Fort Comedy, the I would, uh, Colorado Room. Yeah, there. yeah. Yeah. The boys and David Rodriguez and Yeah. Sway does a lot of good stuff. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot of really well-run shows in this city. And I remember when I was contemplating even moving out here, I had it kind of narrowed down to it was Chicago, Portland, and Denver. And I'm really glad I didn't go to Chicago. I just hear that that scene's in chaos, it seems. like It's not. I don't I think it's in chaos. I think it's just too big for its own good. Yeah. Uh, like there's there's multiple different scenes within Chicago, mm-hmm. like five different comedy scenes. Because it it's a massive fucking city. It's a massive city, and a lot of people aren't willing to drive across town or take the train across town to go to Mike's, so they only do whatever is in their neighborhood. Yeah. Um, and then their mics are fucking so long. They're like five hours. Yeah. So there's this, uh, there's a lack of cohesion that I think really does exist here. And one of the reasons yeah. I love living here is because I do feel like our comedy community is like... It's just a very, it's a fairly cohesive unit and people help each other and promote each other's stuff and work together. Yeah. I don't know if you know this, but I've actually, it's interesting that open mics got brought up cause, uh, I would kill to do one right now. I hate them. Um, and I, I tried to with rotating tap and stuff at comedy works. I tried to like work my way out of having to do open mics, being able to do it in front of larger audiences, but I miss open mics so fucking much right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, that being said, I don't know if you, you're aware, but recently, I, uh, oh, didn't you get blown up by some open micer on Facebook? Yeah, I have had some open micers upset with me, and then they're <laughs> like offering me like open mic advice on like how to make them better. Oh, the etiquette and, thing, and like more fair and stuff. And it's like, <laughs> what you can were try. Their, You can try. What it. were their main points of contention? Uh, point number one: I'm an asshole. That's the main point they were trying to make. I mean, that's across. a given. If we don't yeah. take anything else away from this, yeah. point one: checkmate. You got me. Uh, one of them is that uh, it's they're not fair. Sure. And they're not supposed to be fair. Like well, Open mics are not supposed to be fair. Not fair in what regard? Uh, you don't get to go up when you want to, I think, is really what people want. Well, one of the things that every scene has a different system. And in Denver, a popular way of going about running a mic is a ran- more of a random order. And a lot of that has to do with stacking comics together and rearranging the order that's deviating away from when people actually sign up. And the idea is that you're putting, you're trying to put together a better show quote unquote, where you can mix in stronger comics with newer comics, um, mixing up perspectives, um, like stack, like stacking like guys and girls, like mixing those up so that it's not too many of one person. Like one one of the suggestions was to follow the list in order. And you know what happens in Chicago? I've seen it is that people who are like 19 years old will just go to a bar at 4 p.m. 
and wait until the open mic at eight so they can be that very first person on the list to wait there for four hours. Yeah. And it's like, that's crazy to me. That blows my mind that anybody's that nuts. Yeah. Uh, but if they do, then, I mean, there is some merit to saying, like, well, shouldn't that person go up first? Sure. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, also, like, that doesn't do them any good. Like, right. Like, like going up, for, spending four hours, like, like not, like, focusing on your set. Also, like, you're, you got, what, four minutes, three minutes probably in Chicago? Yeah. So you have three minutes to fill. You're going to spend four hours working on that and then not watch anybody else do stand up. Mm hmm. You got to watch other people do stand up. Like, that's part of the thing. Yeah, sure. And that's one thing I think uh, these open micers don't understand. They just think that they should be going up right when the crowd's good every time. Yeah. And not seeing how open mics, open micers do well in certain shows or like, like if the audience is good, how they keep them good. Or if the audience sucks, how they keep them sucking, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I, I never invite people to open mics for the simple fact of, like even so, open mics. Uh, it's mo it's all mostly new material, right? And anybody can go up. <laughs> anybody can go That's up. That's the thing. But then even like the more established, more reliable comics, like if you're just trying something out for the first time, like you don't know how it's going to go either. Right. Like you're high, you have a higher success rate based on your experience and um, skill level, but. It's still like even the people that I would deem to be like good at this mic. Let's say if I had some friends that like wanted to come, you don't I'm have like, I, you're my friend. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. So even when I invite Steve to open mics, I'm, if I were to, it's like I, I don't want go, to. I wouldn't go. I wouldn't want somebody to. It's like they, they last upwards of three hours. Yeah, I mean it's kind of a cruel thing, but also like as a more experienced comic, I kind of prey on people like bringing all their friends to a mic and it's like, let me up before them so they don't all leave. Because as soon as their friend goes up, all those people leave. Oh, of course. They, they're over it. They hate it. This isn't the only context somebody would refer to you as a predator either. Well, I did play hockey for that team, so. Yeah, right. That's exactly <laughs> what we were talking about. Uh, no, I uh, I don't know. I, I just want to get up in front of those people before. And then, you know, Pull the, pull the old Louis C.K. and masturbate in front of him. No, just tell jokes. That's all I want to do. Just tell the jokes. I mean, I I can attest to the fact that yeah, if you want to go up at a mic earlier, you got to be around a lot, right? Like you have to be consistent. People need to know that you're a face that you work. is going to be around. You got to work. Because there are so many times that you new people show up to an open mic and you don't know if they're going to be there next week or not. So like, why should they have the privy to be able to go up earlier when a crowd's good or anything like that? Um, this is really good. Yeah, it is pretty tasty. We're drinking now. We're drinking a, uh, Weldworks coffee, French toast, milk stout. Yeah. And usually I steer away from like milk stouts or it's pretty um, sweet lactose stouts that are just full of adjuncts, but I kind of liked the flavor combinations that no, they described on this. Yeah. Yeah. I, this is a breakfast beer for sure. Oh, yeah. I'd be drinking these right when I wake up at 8 a.m. Yeah, every day. This would be perfect with some pancakes or I mean, some French toast. I mean, not drinking more during all this, you know? Um, I've been drinking so much. That's why I've been drinking these seltzers. Yeah. No, I've been drinking a bunch more, too. But also, like, I don't have to get up in the morning for anything. I don't have to get on stage. Yeah, there's know? no concept of time, really. It's like, yeah. what's, a, what's a weekday? What's a weekend? Yeah, you know, it's like, all the same. It's inconsequential whether I wake up at, like, 8 or whether I wake up at 11. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because if I have shit to do that day, then I can just do it later. You know, it's not like something I have to get. There's nothing I have yeah, to get no, to. There's really no such thing as like nine to fives anymore or any of that. It's all just 
open this country back up. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. I went down to that protest just to check it out. Like I was doing a lap yeah, around in sure my car. Yeah, sure you did. Wink, I, just wink. Went, I just yeah. wanted to check it uh, out and see what was going on. Yeah, you and just wanted to drive around and then stop driving around in the middle of Colfax. Yeah, with my Trump flag hanging out of the back of my car, just mm-hmm. honking my horn, yelling yeah. at people that work at hospitals. It was a good time. Yeah, good. So you yell at the heroes. It's it was just, it was so crazy to watch because not only number one like just being downtown right now is kind of eerie yeah you know and spooky because it's so spacious and there's not a lot of people but then it was just so many people that were just out throwing a tantrum it was so wild and i'm like and part of me is like nobody's even working today like you're you're protesting at the capitol and nobody's even here to see it right yeah there's nothing they're just there they don't and then they all had to drive back to sedalia and some bullshit colorado yeah afterwards uh, it's weird. Yeah, I mean, I get the sentiment to a degree, right? It's like these people feel like um, they feel they they don't like being told what to do. Number one, they want our breweries open, which I respect. Yeah, they do want breweries <laughs> open, which is a good thing. And they just yeah, and they feel like they're receiving disinformation. You know, they feel like whatever the top doctors and officials are saying about staying safe during this isn't true. And they want to be able to go back to their regular life. But, like, we all do. Like, we all want to go back to our regular life. Nobody was like, we're thrilled we're in quarantine, except introverts, maybe, that have jobs. But I think even introverts are, like, getting over it. Like, especially if they, like, live alone. They're probably just like, oh, this sucks. I'm bored. But, yeah, I mean, nobody really is living. Even the people that are still working have to probably work more they're probably working harder because they are one of the few businesses people are like relying on right now mm-hmm. uh, so they're probably all having to do a lot more work so you know it's weird for everyone uh, but you know america is cool sometimes so we'll probably get through this but i mean part of the thing so one thing that i've been reading a lot about is uh the craft beer industry specifically and what's going to happen nationwide is in Colorado, but nationwide, if this goes on through like June. Right. And, you know, that's not, that's six weeks away. If this goes on another six weeks. Yeah, I think uh, the stat was uh, upwards of 30% of the breweries in the country won't be able to I've read stick any, it out. I've read anywhere from like 50% to like 66%. Yeah. Which is obviously the majority of it which will hopefully like, weed out a lot of the really shitty breweries that are out there yeah the, there is some the good open that'll come micers, this. yeah there's the, it's the open micers of the brewery scene yeah it's well, the, one a bunch of, of their friends told them that they had great jokes and then they go up and tell a five minute story with one punchline at the end yes. that doesn't really work part of the thing about recording this episode specifically between the two of us is that we did record a prequel episode true but there were a lot of sound issues that we had to figure out so it was not very good uh, there's a lot of like you can't hear Corey talk and stuff, um, which so we, Steve usually prefers. Yes, yeah, it was great, but I also want listeners to be able to hear. Stuff. Yeah, I mean, in our prequel episode, ultimately what we were trying to do is like test out our new equipment and then set up the show so that people had an idea of what we were going to be doing, yeah. which we outlined a That's little when bit we already. Chugged. We did do chugs. Yes, mine was not good. I chugged. Was not. Uh, I'm still on the leaderboard, actually. I don't I think, think so. I think I'm in like the 9 or the 10 spot. After Matt last week, I don't know. Well, then there does have to be an episode where we get to redeem ourselves. We're the hosts of the show. We can do that. Yeah, we can do whatever we want. Yeah. Our our podcast, our choice. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, those protesters are starting to get to me. You know? pro, pro choice. Yeah. Um, so we wanted to like redo that and kind of explain it more that we did chug and stuff. Um, but also, 
Yeah, but the the podcast, the the beers, the breweries, the open micers, that's where I was. Yeah, that's the words. The open micers of breweries. Comedy and breweries have so much in common. They're so similar. You have your really shitty ones that everybody hates, and they just keep doing it somehow. And you're just like, how? You know? You have your breweries that quit for 10 years and come back, and it's like, oh, cool, we'll see you back. But also, like... You know. Yeah, Zima made a comeback. Yeah, the old Zima Brewery <laughs> down in Zima, Texas. Just came back to sling dick jokes one more time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and and my, you, my wife jokes. My wife. <laughs> my wife. Uh, you know, in, in every aspect where it's like we're all super supportive of each other, uh, but we are all in competition, and it's like... Mm-hmm. If, but you've never worked at a brewery, right? Uh... I have actually um, a couple times I have judged chili cookoffs and mac and cheese cookoffs, and that is actually work. <laughs> I describe that as work. It's yeah, hard. it's labor intensive. You have to put a lot into it, a lot of thought, and uh, you know your body feels the physical effects. But I've never been paid to operate those. So. Yeah. One of the things we talked about in that prequel episode was um, just our experience in beer. I mean, so the reason you had started Rotating Tap was you were working with Chain Reaction Brewing Company and you wanted to be able to produce more stuff in town. But was there a motivation behind just using venues that were specifically breweries? Uh, they were. I just saw them becoming the beat clubs. Well, they just because the reason that I ask is just be, is because. Most breweries aren't set up well for comedy shows. I mean, typically right. tight walls. Typically, you want um, low ceilings, tight walls, kind of a funnel Pack point. People in there like sardines. Yeah, yeah, and not a lot of uh, distractions. And breweries usually don't have that. But we've been able to really make it work with all the venues that we do work with. So, was there a motivation? What was the motivation behind like keeping it to breweries? It just I saw breweries becoming the new B clubs across the country. It wasn't just a Denver thing. Like everybody's shows started popping up at breweries because breweries start wanting entertainment. And if one brewery is doing well with it with a concept, they other breweries catch on and they want that too. So like like Chain Reaction, there, there was a show at Vine Street called Arguments and Grievances. It was not a normal stand up show, uh, and. But Vine Street technically does brew their own beer, so a lot of people consider it a brewery, yeah. even though I consider it more of a restaurant. Um, they do Stout Monday stuff, which is cool. But they had a show there, Arguments and Grievances, where comics would debate stupid shit. And then after that, the the first stand-up show, typical stand-up show, openers, features, headliners, that kind of setup was Chain Reaction. It was the first like showcase at a brewery in Denver. And then from there, I saw it like catching on ratio and other stuff. And then a lot of posts from across the country, like Sisyphus Brewing and Minneapolis has shows. Every fucking brewery across the country now, like major cities have it. And so I was just like, well, if these are going to be like where comics are working, I want to be in there as much as possible. Yeah. And breweries are always looking for new forms of entertainment to bring people in on off nights or notoriously breweries are, they slow down business wise a lot around like nine o'clock, you know? And when you do a show that starts at eight, that means the place is still packed around like nine thirty, ten o'clock. Right. So it's keeping people in there, and uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It helps everybody, and uh, I also just like the people in the beer industry. That's why we yeah. do this podcast. They're all great. Well, not all of them, but a lot of them. Um, and it's just cool people 
where for the most part everybody gets along. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, that that was part of it. Yeah, which is cool. That's cool. Yeah. How are we doing on time? We've talked for fifty minutes. We've talked about absolutely nothing for fifty minutes. That's not true. I feel like we covered a good amount of things. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, and the the live shows are going to be back. Like mm-hmm. it'll happen. It's just and, a matter of when. And I'm looking forward to once this show keeps developing and we can start getting back into breweries, being able to do live episodes of the podcast in certain places too. I think there's an element there that's going to be fun for people. Totally. I mean, beer's fun. Comedy's fun. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I just miss stand up so fucking much. I miss it so much. I miss breweries so much. Yeah. Breweries miss stand up probably a little bit, but not very much. Yeah. I miss, I just miss feeling the feeling of being on stage and, performing in front of a crowd yeah. and uh, telling a joke that you just started like just started working on like two weeks ago and it kills at a show like it's this thing right. that you've been molding and crafting and chopping up and I mean, figuring my, out how to replace the words and then you do it at a show and it's like so infant and it's so young and it just kills my memes take me like four weeks to make each so I've been working really hard in the same way for that it's mostly because you can't of, spell yeah Yep. I can't spell. I can't talk. <laughs> I can talk. You missed Sesame Street. Uh, and I actually TiVo it every day. Yeah. Still have TiVo. Well, when you, similarly to like how you got into comedy, how did you get into drinking beer? And do you remember what the first beer you had was? Uh, the first beer I had was like a, uh, I'm going to say a Keystone Ice that my dad gave me a sip of when I was nice. like three. Whoa. Just That's a early. sip. Yeah, he did not want me drinking alcohol, actually. Um, and he still, to this day, he drinks one Keystone Ice every single day. Maybe Keystone Light. Whatever's on sale at the grocery store. And this has been for years. This was before you could buy actual beer at liquor stores. One Keystone Ice as a treat. Just one. Yep. Just one. Just have one at the end of the night. Yeah. That's how he is. Um, but I, I don't know. I had a friend who, when we were underage, his father was a home brewer and as long as we weren't out and about making trouble and just hanging out he would let us have a beer mm-hmm. and so it was a lot of like homebrew and it was uh, because of what i just said i'm not going to say the names but i will say that he worked at some major breweries in colorado and he also worked <laughs> at some microbreweries in colorado yeah that should narrow it down so yeah i i remember so the there was one of the 10 or 12 Budweiser breweries in the country is in my hometown in Baldwinsville, New York, and they employed half the town. So almost everybody's parents had stacks of Budweiser just sitting in, sitting around in their sure. garage or whatever. Yeah. My first beer was a, a warm Bud Heavy after middle school when we were like 12 or 13 and my friend had one in his backpack we were walking home to his house after school and i remember thinking it was the grossest thing i had ever had and i i like bud heavies like now like i i will i will drink them but at the time i was just like i can't believe people drink this but then i continued to do so because i wanted people to like me sure yeah uh, you still try hard to get people to like you. So hard. <laughs> to, an obno- to an obnoxious degree. I also, like, right when I turned 21, I lived down the street from the third largest liquor store in Colorado, Tipsy's. I lived right over there, if you've ever been there. What, did you jump in their dumpster and find all the scraps? No, they were they were one of the only places in the state, like one of two or three places, where you could build your own six-pack. Right. So we'd go there to, like, try all these beers, and... 
uh, I was going to ask something the other night. I forget who I was going to be like, what? Man, I used to drink so much Newcastle. What happened to Newcastle? I mean, they're still around. Are they? Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen Newcastle in They got So they got bought by Heineken a few years ago, and then they totally revamped their marketing, and I, I just think that they lost uh, some direction because sales weren't high, and then Heineken had other brands that they just wanted to push ahead of Newcastle. Interesting. Mm-hmm. You want some more of this uh, coffee French toast out? Uh, yeah. I yeah. Will. Why not? Why not? It's yeah. This is with maple syrup, cinnamon, Peruvian coffee, and milk sugar, and vanilla. There's a lot of stuff going on. Coronavirus here. free. That's yeah, how yeah, I like yeah. it. Well, if nothing else, we might be just burning the virus that's existing inside of us. Yeah, I mean, just drowning it in booze. 7.1%. Nice. Yeah. Do you remember? I mean, we just talked about first beers. But what was your first open mic like? Oh, man. I It was at the Lion's Lair. And normally hosted by Sam Tell and Roger Norquist, but they were both out of town. And so the guest hosts were former comedian, great guy, but former comedian, still good dude, Nate Balding, and former comedian, current comedian, always great guy, it was Nathan Lund. Okay. Uh, so they were guest hosting, and Lund thought it would be hilarious to put the new guy up first. And this was before like a lot of people were getting into comedy. Yeah. I and did it before it was cool. Was Lion's Lair still what it is today, yes, which is 100%. notoriously, it's a rough Just room. real divey. It's real divey. It's a I rough mean, room. It's mostly I comics. Think, I don't think it's a rough room. I no? Think it's, I think it's fun, dude. I no, like it's not room. that I don't like it. It's just that... Normally when it's you honest. have normally when you have mics that are just mostly comics, the reactions are hard to get. And I think that a lot of comics actually curtail their material towards just making comics laugh. And I don't know if that always translates to making an audience laugh. Mm, I th- I feel like if you can make a room full of comics laugh, you can make a room full of anybody laugh. To be honest, mm-hmm. I feel like it's much harder to make comics laugh because they're so fucking numb. Right, but do you feel like anybody Inside ever do you just bend your material to make it work for an open mic full of comics instead of figuring out what an actual audience is going to like? I mean, I feel like you can work on different things. Like, you don't have to work on the jokes you wrote every single set. You can work on your stage presence. You can work on not asking questions or not saying a certain word. You don't have to work on the joke you wrote two yeah. hours ago. Yeah. You can work on other things that are great for stand-up and important. Sure. Act-outs. You know, you can work on an act-out. You don't have to fucking have your prepared material every time. Sure. All right. So um, I didn't mean to cut you off. So go ahead no. with the, the Lions Lair story. So they thought it would be hilarious to make me go up very first. And I still was like pretty drunk by the time I went up. Sure. Uh, it's a late night mic. And I was blackout drunk for like the first two months I did stand up, like every single time, just to get over the stage fright. Yeah. I hated it. Uh, but it, it doesn't bother me at all now. I'd kill for it now. You know? Of course. Yeah. Let me get drunk in front of people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mine was the not real comedy works in Saratoga Springs. Oh, yeah. I've heard about that comedy works. Oh, man. I don't know much about it. It's. I it's, can tell you it's not the actual comedy works. It's a place. And I actually wasn't... I didn't have problems with the stage fright because I'd been in sales for so long and I was used to talking in front of large groups of people. Sure. So... Most of it for me, the first couple times I went up was just like, I don't really care if I get a reaction. I just want to like get up there and um, just start the process. It wasn't until I actually started caring more about the material itself 
that I started to get bummed out, you know, because you like then you're starting to like honestly yeah. care about oh, what material different. you're presenting, yes. and then it hurt so much more. Yeah. Which eventually you get over that because it's an open mic. But I mean, I would imagine with beer too, it's the same thing where it's like I don't care if this beer is bad. I made it. I home brewed this. Yeah, you know, it's like it's okay to be bad. I did it. I fucking did it. And then after a little bit, you're like. Oh yeah, like I want, I want to do this right. I want to make a really good beer, and then you make it, and it turns out terrible, and you're like, "Fuck, yes, <laughs> this yeah, yeah, sucks." Yeah, but and if you keep working, you can persevere through it. But I think the thing that happens most often is, you know, your first mic or two maybe goes really well, and I always tell people that when they're yeah. like, "I'm thinking about trying," and I'm like, "Well, keep in mind, your first one or two will." probably go better than you think because it's an accumulation of all of the funny things that you've like ever thought of. Yeah. It's when you have to start writing new material. Yeah. You can't just keep saying the N word every time. Yeah. Kramer. (laughs) So it's when you start actually having to formulate new ideas is when, especially when you're first starting out, not so much anymore is when you start to get defeated. And like now it's just part of the process. You know, it's mostly garbage to find the good stuff. Yes. Absolutely. And uh, I don't know. I also, it was interesting when people started coming at me for mics because I don't, I hadn't really had to do that much the last three or four months of comedy. Like before it all, before all this came about. I wasn't, I was busy with rotating tap and other shit. Like, I was yeah. And I mean, you got promoted at Comedy Works this past year and you're busy with running all the shows for rotating tap. Yeah. It wasn't like I need to go hit a mic. Like the, the, the mic grind is a grind. And it is. You really do have to be doing it all the time to be a good at comedy. Yeah. And I firmly believe that you still, you have to be on stage at least five to eight times a week. If you take this seriously at first. Yeah. At first for sure. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, it's a lot of people that are just like, Oh yeah, I'll just, it's always it's funny to me that they like the hobbyists, you know, yeah. the people that like they come out a couple times a week, maybe once or twice. I and mean, it's like, it's maybe how seriously thing. do you take care? How seriously do you take this? Yeah. And I think that's fine. I don't have anything against those people, honestly. And I think some of them, maybe it's just a social aspect or it's like an experiment. Uh, it's a matter of like one, don't exploit the people that are working hard and don't get in their way. Like the people, myself, a lot of other people are trying to build a career out of this. It's not just like a fucking job. Like it's not it's not just a job. Nobody's going to do stand up for like 8 years professionally and be like, "That was cool. I'm going to go manage a King Supers." No, once you figure out that this is what you really want to do and you've got any kind of whiff of success, it's kind of hard to deter yourself away from doing it well, unless it, some life stuff comes up. Exactly. Yes. Like, like, you know, illness, that kind of stuff. Illness, but, starting a family, like having to choose between a job and doing stand up because maybe of your bills or your living situation or anything like that. But I that. think the same is true for brewers, man. I really do. For maybe not like everybody in the beer industry, not people that are bartenders, but brewers are going to be like, they're going to keep brewing no matter what. Yeah. But you've got to gamble. That's the thing is yes. that you got it. Like, there's, you put something on the line. You, you exist in this level of discomfort for a while where you don't have a lot of the uh, gla- more like glamorous things that somebody else might have in their life, which, you know, like a, a high paying job or like a 401k right. and things like, and some oh, people do have, some people do have that, you, you know, got like, a Corvette. Well, I just made a fucking 
delicious stout that everybody wants to drink. I just recorded this sick multicam HD tape at Comedy Works. Yeah. Yeah. I just got into the I'm going to get rejected at all the festivals I send it to. Yeah, I I just got rejected from the Tijuana Comedy Festival. No. No, that's not a real thing. Oh, man. I just, you know. I was going to say, even they don't want you? Jesus. Yeah. It's because I wanted to fuck a donkey. (laughs) 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 They're like, that's the only comedy we want in this town. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's all, it's, you gotta keep on working and I hope that most of the beer people do. I, I hate that some of the breweries are going to close, but I'm happy that some of the comics are going to quit. So, and that's a good sentiment to end the show. Yeah. Actually, there's a few comics that'd be sad if they quit. Yeah, of course. None of them are on this podcast, (laughs) but they're out there. That's the nicest thing you've said to me in a long time. (laughs) Uh, oh, anyways, man. yeah, I hope you guys enjoy this uh, special, weird, we're all figuring it out episode. The Raw and Honest, uh, what was the uh, my albums again? I don't know, Steve's drunk. I'm, we'll get there. Pick up Glory Hole in 10 years. That was it, yeah. When it actually great. comes out. Nice. And check out the show that Steve and I work on together every week. It's nice on plug. social media. It's called Mile High Update. It's been a lot of fun to write, and it's been getting a great response, so... Uh, the more people that watch it, share it, and enjoy it, uh, the more we can do with it. So. Truth. Yeah. Uh, we'll see you guys all after the end of the world is over. Thank you all so much for listening. Bye. You guys say bye? Bye. <laughs>